Jesus, we need you. Oh, we need you. Jesus, we need you. We need you. Just thank you, Lord, for just think of seasons where you were kind to me, even, even when I was ungrateful and just stuck, trapped in self-righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Just ask, uh, you give us ears to hear your word. Amen. So we spent the past several weeks talking about what God is like. What a cool topic. Three weeks ago, Guile talked with us about how God has a lot of functions. He, he functions as a wise king. And he functions as creator, right? And he functions as a just judge. But the reason that he has those roles, it's because at his, at his core, he's first a father. And how incredible is it that at the center of the universe is a loving, generous, creative daddy. And Anna spoke last week. We walked through the parable of the prodigal son and the older brother, and, and she just challenged us to dream. As we talked about how the, the older brother in the parable was, was sitting in the back with his arms crossed, frustrated as the father was welcoming, welcoming the prodigal son. And Anna said, what if at Believer's Church we could humble ourselves and we could go with the Father to just joyfully welcome people who are coming home? And what if we could receive the Father's invitation to join Him in the family business of pleading with people to be reconciled with God? And so I want to continue this exploration of God as Father, uh, specifically focusing on learning to receive His forgiveness and His love. So I remember as a college student just becoming so excited about this truth of God as a good father, and I, I remember just being obsessed with it. And I remember the lyrics of Be Thou My Vision that, that say, uh, Thou my great father, and I thy true son, and just my heart coming alive and thinking, Lord, that's what I want more than anything else. I want to believe that I'm your beloved son. And I thought, I just need to get the right book. If I could just read the right book, this truth would really penetrate my heart. You know, according to 1 John 4.18, I wouldn't be afraid anymore because I will have been perfected in love. <clears throat> but the reality for me, and maybe you'll relate, is this journey of believing my belovedness, accepting my, my sonship, or maybe it's your daughtership. It's been a process for me. I think that claiming this truth is a lot of what we're doing here, you know? I remember a story about a man who met with his mentor, and he was asking his mentor for some direction, some advice, and, and saying, you know, what do you think is my next step in my journey of discipleship? And, and the mentor wisely responded and said, you know, I, I think you actually have enough insight for three lifetimes. I think what you need most now is to begin to believe what you already know. And isn't that the truth for a lot of us in, in the West, a lot of us that have been around the church for a while? We, we know a lot of these truths, these just 
just mind-shattering truths, right, of Jesus becoming a man and entering into the world and that we've been adopted into the family of God through faith in Jesus. But, but the, the real need is, is for that, those truths to journey from our heads into our, our hearts, right? So I'm actually going to read out of Ephesians 3 for the third time now this morning. That's so cool. So, so let's pray with Paul this morning again. And this is my prayer for us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, Believer's Church, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. So I want to share this morning from two significant seasons in my own life of journeying deeper into the experience of the grace, forgiveness, and love of Jesus. The first season, I'll title, Moving from Self-Righteousness and Fear, Self-Righteousness and Self-Rejection to Grace and Peace. And I, I was just blown away as Tim Cameron gets up and proclaims, the Lord wants to deliver us from self-righteousness. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for that confirmation. I want to say that God wants us to know the peace that comes through being reconciled to God by grace. Isn't it interesting that Paul starts most of his letters with grace and peace? Peace is what we're able to experience when we're reconciled to the God of the universe through grace. So I want to begin with the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 7 about a sinful woman who loved much because she was forgiven much. Another little encouragement God gave me is Alan Green met me in the hall and said, hey, I'm teaching the kids. What are you teaching on? And I said, well, the, really the core of it is the story of the sinful woman. He said, that's the story we're using in kids' ministry. So the Holy Spirit is with us, leading us. So let's read this together. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee's when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, not out loud it seems, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him. <laughs> you can't think stuff like that when you're around Jesus. <laughs> Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, uh, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, 
Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, and let's just enter into this moment. Then Jesus, the Son of God, entered toward this, entered, turned towards this woman in a place of desperation. He said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has stopped, hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Now I, Jonathan, am in recovery from self-righteousness. My confession is that when I read this story as a young man, I felt sad. Because at the time, I hadn't committed any of what I considered the big sins. You know what I mean? As a well-behaved kid, trapped in self-righteousness, this story for me was bad news. I'll define self-righteousness as trying to earn what can only be received as a gift. Trying to boast about what I haven't earned. I thought that if I behaved well, I could earn God's love. But if I'm honest, I have to admit I struggled to experience it. The point that I missed in this story is that what was true of this woman was true of me. I too, and you too, can be a person who loves much, who lives in a a relationship of tender affection, with Jesus, because you too have much to be forgiven for. (laughs) Amen. But my pride and my self-righteousness in this season were blocking me, blocking me from receiving the grace that was the only way to experience peace. Did you see that? So my first significant steps towards healing and being able to experience the love of the Father came through a season of real struggle and difficulty where I I came to the end of myself. I, I came to the end of my rope and I was able to recognize, oh my goodness, I've been in pride. I've been in self-sufficiency. I've been in self-righteousness. Oh Lord, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I love your, I need your mercy. I need your help. I came to terms with my need for God's help and forgiveness. I was a Christian, but I had been living in an earning paradigm where well-behaved people are loved by people who make mistakes, 
do not get love. So my only hope was to not make mistakes, and it's terrifying. But this is the way of our world, isn't it? I think of the tragic story that's played out before all of our eyes with with Will Smith, right? Where many people in our culture are saying that because he hit Chris Rock at the Oscars, this man is unforgivable. And how crazy is it that in the same night, Will Smith is at the highest height and at the lowest low. deemed unforgivable by popular culture. How scary, how terrible it is to live in this earning paradigm. I remember in this season of my life, finishing the day, replaying my interactions with others, weighing my good and my bad deeds to determine whether or not God loved me today. Fearful of rejection, seeing him as exacting and impatient, But when I came to the end of my rope and when I came to terms with the fact, the fact that I cannot earn his love, God began, I I began to be able to receive his love. When I came to terms with the fact that I cannot, that I will not ever be able to earn his love, I was finally able to drink deeply of his grace and of his love. Is that anyone else's testimony? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to bring humility where I'm proud. That you're kind to me even when I'm ungrateful. Living to earn God's love is a barrier to receiving his love. Next, and this is so critical, this is an unavoidable step in our journey of becoming beloved sons and daughters and learning to receive the love of the Father. I recognized that because I needed forgiveness, I cannot hold unforgiveness towards other people who have hurt me. I cannot. This isn't an optional thing for sons and daughters of God. You will absolutely block yourself from the experience of the grace and the love of Jesus if you are living in unforgiveness. And I know that this is a difficult word to hear for some of us who have experienced great pain and abuse from others. But if we're going to live in a system where we don't get what we deserve, we have to, we must be, it is demanded of us that we give to others the same grace that we have received from Jesus. So as I began to forgive the people who had hurt me, and as I began to come to terms with my need for Jesus, the dam broke in my life, and the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus began to flood and the, and the masks that I'd been carrying, trying to protect myself from rejection, began to fall from my, my face, and it was like a second conversion. I, maybe it was a first conversion. So I want to share some takeaways from this season. He loves us as we are. He loves us as we are, not as we should be. I want to postpone God's acceptance of me to a moment in the future where I feel acceptable to him. I want to postpone God's acceptance of me to a moment where I feel like I've earned it, like I deserve it. But the truth of the gospel that I'm going to proclaim today is that you will never be able to earn the love of God. 
Which is the reason why Jesus came, entered into our brokenness and our pain, and suffered and died and resurrected so that we could be reconciled to God. There is no other way. There will never be any other way to be reconciled to God, to experience grace. And the only peace that really settles us, but to receive the forgiveness of God through Jesus. A picture I want to use to illustrate this, I, I think sometimes we, we imagine our sin like a body of water beside us, and, and the Father's on the other side of this body of water, and, and, and He's loving, and He's good, but He's waiting for us to finally get it together and swim through and work through the muck and the mire of our sins so that he can be waiting for us on the other side, proud and ready to embrace us. But the truth that I have to proclaim and I'm excited to proclaim today is that if you do not let the Father come to you in the midst of your sin, you will never work through your sin. I'm tempted to believe that I must swim through my sin to get to him. He's waiting to love me on the other side of my sin struggle. When I finally stop sinning, he will love me and he'll be proud of me. But the truth of the gospel is that we must allow him to embrace, to allow him to embrace us in our sin. And we can work on our sin with him. Oh, it's terrible being alone in your sin, isn't it? Being stuck in your sin. The prodigal son, in the parable we've been looking at, he had the courage. He had to come to the father before he got it together. Because everything that he needed was with the father. Everything that he needed, all the resources, all the help, all the support, all the love, all the courage, was in and with the father. What if we could make the transition from oh no, I made a mess, don't tell my dad, to oh no, I made a mess, I gotta call my dad. (laughs) Amen? Has anybody experienced that transition in their lives? Oh Jesus, would you just come and get me? I am so sorry. I am stuck. This is a bummer. You're my only hope. My dad was my youth pastor and he, he he used to say, if you've if you've killed someone and smoke is, is leaving the gun and you recognize, what have I done? What have I done? You fall to your knees and you, oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. How many times will he forgive us? This is an important question, right? Especially when we experience with sin that is habitual, and I think about in Matthew 18, where, Jesus, where Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times do I forgive my brother who sinned against me? And his answer is essentially infinitely, right? You never stop. And, and I just was thinking about that. Why would God require that of us if that's not the way that he relates with us? Amen? Amen. It's got to be the way that he relates with us. Now, the fact that God loves us as we are is not incompatible with his desire for us to grow up, right? I was thinking again about the parable of the prodigal son and just how goofy it would be if the father was excited to accept the prodigal son, but also comfortable with the fact that, that comfortable with, if the 
prodigal son were to go back into his life of devastating himself and others. It just doesn't make sense, right? In his love, at the same time, he accepts us as we are, will continue to accept us as we are, and he wants us to grow up because he loves us, right? Do we see, see how those things are not incompatible? I believe that as long as we are believing that we have earned God's love, we will have a judgmental, not a compassionate attitude towards people who are stuck in sin. I want to read that again. It's really connected to what Anna was sharing. I believe that as long as we are believing, I am believing that I have earned God's love, I will have a judgmental and not a compassionate attitude towards people who are stuck in sin. Remember what we just read? The person that has been forgiven much loves much, right? It's just a bummer when we we start to believe that maybe we've mastered this Christianity thing, right? And we're on a higher plane, right? Than other people who are needy. Just Jesus, would you help us to stay in touch with our need for your grace, even as we grow up? You know, it's interesting in his kingdom that we mature into childlikeness, isn't it? We mature into greater awareness of need. It doesn't mean that we mature into being more sinful, but it means that we mature into greater humility, greater awareness of the fact that everything that we have, everything that we need is in him, through him, by him. And finally, just want to iterate, reiterate, take away from me from this season, is that harboring unforgiveness towards others will keep us from receiving a love of God. So before I, I go into my other quick section, I just want to give an opportunity. If you want to repent right now of self-righteousness or unforgiveness, um, let's just stand real quick. If you want to repent of self-righteousness or unforgiveness and receive the freedom that comes, the peace that comes through grace, let's do that. Jesus, we repent. Well, say it after me. Jesus, I repent of self-righteousness, of thinking I can earn what can only come to me as gift. Forgive me, Lord, for holding others in unforgiveness. I release them to you, and I entrust justice to you. I don't want to hold that burden anymore. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'll fly through this. This is just kind of fun. I've just been excited to share these stories. The second piece I want to share, the second part of my journey of learning to receive the Father, the journey that I'm still on, is becoming a daddy, becoming a father, and learning that God doesn't just love me, but he likes me and he, he delights in me. My wife and I did foster care for a season, and we had this just beautiful, joyful girl, three-year-old girl that lived with, with us, and she was just, she is, she's just awesome. I just like her. I, I love her. And she would, occasionally she'd come home from daycare while I was working from home in my office, and just one of, maybe one of my favorite memories of my entire life is she would, she would know I was in my office, and she would run to the floor like right, right by the door, she'd run to the floor and she would like stick her lips underneath 
the crack on the door. And she called me Johnny. And she'd say, she'd say, Johnny! <laughs> I want to come in there! You know, and I, oh, just the joy, the joy that I felt as a daddy, you know, the joy, the delight, oh, and I, I'd open my door, I, I, I don't care if I was talking to Guile, I don't care if I was talking to Roger or my dad, I would, I would open the door, and she would run and jump in my arms, and do you know what would overflow just without my control out of my heart was, I like you, I like you, I like you. I delight in you. I'm so glad that you're here and that we get to be together and be friends. And in those moments, I would hear my daddy tell me, I like you. I like you. I like you. I like you. I remember other moments with with Nova, one in particular where she was just going ballistic. I was trying to get her down for sleep and she was bouncing off the walls and she was screaming and kicking and and hitting, and it didn't always feel this way, but in this moment, do you know what I, what I felt in that moment? I like this. <laughs> I like this, and I like you. Maybe you want me to hate you? I like this. I like this. And, and again, the, the voice of the Father to me. I like you. I like you even when you're obnoxious, even when you're stuck. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just like you. Amen. Amen? Doesn't mean that I didn't also get mad at her, <laughs> right? But man, his patience is beyond our patience. I remember when my little boy Hudson was first beginning to talk. And one of the first words that he learned was, was da, you know? And he didn't know how to end it. He would just keep da, 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 you know? And I remember I'd come home from work when he was first starting to talk, and he would just go ballistic, just da, 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 you know? Oh, I like you. I like you, you know? And the father again, I like you. I like you. I remember the moment that my wife sat me down. Jonathan, you like you send pictures of everything. Like like when he spits up, like I just I, I Jonathan, I, I not everybody thinks that everything he does is as cute as you do. <laughs> and I, I promise you guys, I didn't realize. <laughs> it it literally it actually hadn't dawned on me until she said that. Some of you guys have gotten spit up pictures because of how funny I thought they were. I literally didn't my wife had to bring me into some self-awareness that I was that I was lacking. And again, the father, I'm excited about you. I'm excited about the things that are silly. I'm excited about the things that are goofy excited about the times when you, you fall over because you were trying, but it was ugly, but I still saw that you were trying and I'm excited. I like you. I know that the way that I feel for these kids, and I don't always feel these godly ways <laughs> about kids. Um, I'm not talking about your kids. I, I don't... <laughs> 
I don't spend that much time with them. But, but it's just a glimpse, right? It's just a glimpse. You know, when we talk about how at the center of the universe is a glad daddy, you know, I, I actually, it's, been a, it's become a great apologetic for me, a great defense of the faith, the way that I feel about my son and the way that I feel about this little girl that we had. I, I just, I have to think to myself, where do those feelings come from, right? If, if at the center of all of reality, at the nucleus of reality, if it's not a joyful, glad daddy, I, don't, I can't explain these ways that I feel. And maybe it's a, a s- simplistic apologetic. Some of you apologetic apologists will, will say that doesn't work all the way through, but it works for me. I <laughs> just want to close with, with a story from a, a book by Brennan Manning that's really impacted me. Brennan writes, and this is a true story, I, uh, I believe. He writes about a man named Edward Farrell who traveled from his hometown of Detroit to visit Ireland where he would celebrate his beloved uncle Seamus and his 80th birthday. What's that? Did I say it right, Seamus? Good. Early on the morning of his uncle Seamus's birthday, they went for a walk along the shores of Lake Killarney. Killarney. And as the sun rose, Uncle Seamus turned and stared straight into the breaking light. For 20 minutes, Edward and Seamus stood in silence. And then his elderly uncle began to skip along the shoreline, a radiant smile on his face. After catching up with him, Edward asked, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? Yes, lad, the old man said, tears washing down his face. You see, the father is very fond of me. Oh, me father is so very fond of me. If this isn't what life, you know, this is eternal life, to know God. This, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. It's the Holy Spirit's great joy to make us confident sons and daughters of the Almighty God, of the Almighty Daddy. And just in closing, I just was getting creative and thinking, what would happen if we could trust that we're loved as a body of believers? Have any of you guys seen just the inevitable crotchiness that we experience when we're not experiencing the peace that can only come through grace? My crotchetiest moments are when I am out of alignment with the peace comes through grace. What if we could acknowledge our need for Jesus? We could receive his mercy and his forgiveness. I believe that we could become a channel of the gorgeous, self-sacrificial love of Jesus to everyone around us. It's not about trying harder. 
Have you ever tried to squeeze love out? It's just crotchety. The only way that we can be channels of the love of Jesus. Think of Jesus. Think of Jesus on the cross. Oh, his tenderness, his humility, his love, his fidelity. The only way that we can become a channel, a pure, oh, that we can be, that we can be a sweet aroma in the world is if we allow God to forgive us. Receive his love that comes as a gift. I don't even know how much we have to think about the flow. I think it just happens. I think it just happens. I put this picture up. Because the picture of the, the prodigal son, I just... That's, I think that's the way in and the way on. Not that we're always going to be as disheveled as that, you know? Not that we're always going to be as, as susceptible to the old hurtful habits. But his awareness of need and the receiving of the generous, gracious embrace of his good daddy. Amen. So why don't we stand and I'll pray, pray over us. Father, you know that I know what it's like to be stuck in self-righteousness. And I don't, I, don't, I don't really know how to get out of it without your help, without your mercy. So I just want to pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that might say, I feel stuck in self-righteousness and I don't really know what to do about it. God, I pray for your grace. I pray that you would break off the chains and the burdens of believing that we can or we must earn what must be received as gift. I just, I, I pray, uh, I want to get on my knees like Paul. Father, you're the origin of all fatherhood. All fatherhood comes from you. I just, I cry out to you, Lord. I cry out to you for mercy, 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 mercy. Would you rescue us, Lord? Rescue us from self-righteousness. Rescue us from self-sufficiency. Clear away the blocks. Lord, if, if, if there's someone here that says, I, I cannot forgive that person. Lord, I pray for grace. That, that miracle, that forgiveness is a miracle. The, miracle we've re- the, the, the forgiveness we've received is a miracle. And the forgiveness that we will give is, is the fruit of that miracle of forgiveness we've received. So Jesus, deliver us, free us. Free us from self-righteousness that we might receive your grace and live in peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I bless you guys to be channels of love this week. Amen. Oh, Oikos map. Oh, what a perfect setup. We're going to pray really quick for our Oikos maps. Can we get that slide up? So I'll just pause for a second ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind Anyone that's far from God, Holy Spirit, who do you want us to bring before you that needs your grace?
Let's pray this together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one and bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Grace and peace be with you guys. Have a great week.